to avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a podcast. Only a podcast. Only a podcast. Howdy y'all, this is the Los Man here, and this is another episode of the Midnight Manor Podcast. And as always, I have my illustrious, amazing, and truly spectacular podcast co-host, Lady Winters. Tell me, Lady Winters, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing well. Hello, everyone. Well, hello, everyone, too. And I'll tell you this right now. We had quite an adventure the other night. We got to watch the first episode of Joe Bob Briggs Season 2 of The Last Drive-In. And as a treat to the fans, he brought out a movie nobody ever expected, a 1978 disturbing and crazy classic called Bloodsucking Freaks. Now, Lady Winters, I want you to tell me, what did you think of Bloodsucking Freaks? Well, I think uh, he brought that movie out because of his guest. It was his guest choice, right? Isn't that right? I believe so. It would make sense because Chris Jericho is a big fan of the movie. So um, it's not a movie that I would have picked myself, but I will say this. What was really fun about that whole event that evening is watching it with everyone in the horror community. I felt like I was back in high school because I would have those viewing parties back in the day with my friends and we would watch the most bizarre, ridiculous films. And so if you have an opportunity to watch The Last Drive-In on Shudder with Joe Bob Briggs, it's so much fun when you watch it live and everyone's watching it together and then you're watching Twitter at the same time. Now, <laughs> back to the movie. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was, it's like I said, the, the parts, there was a lot of parts that were just like bizarre and disgusting, but yet funny, if that makes sense. It's. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it was, a, it was an adventure. <laughs> Well, what were your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you this. I watched this movie about 23, 24 years ago. And let me tell you a little background here. When I started getting into the internet and I started looking for movies to talk about, I read an article about disturbing movies. And this was one of the movies they listed. So, of course, I had to go seek it out. Now, when I rented it, I thought it was just going to be some, you know, standard slasher type movie. And... What was shocking was that we got something completely different. It was a campy, kind of bizarre, weird grindhouse film that had just the most atrocious acting, but it was also filled with characters that were just so vile and creepy. So after I was done, I wrote up a review of the movie, and I did a little research, and I accidentally made reference to porn Relating to the movie, which got an extremely angry email from the director. So, but wait, you address that because there's facts behind that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Basically, from what I understand, the movie was made with actors who had a colorful background. So, you know, this was New York, you know, back in the early 70s. So, there was a lot of, you know, creative performances in the movies and expression. you seek out very yeah expression so yeah you definitely had actors who were probably involved in some artistic films of uh, for a discreet audience so i accidentally made reference to it without really researching it so i got this angry email from joel m reed who threatened to 
have his lawyers come after me if I didn't remove the review. Now, Only that freaked you. me out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Lilos man knew how to do those kind of people. That's for sure. So I rewrote the review, but taking the advice of a director friend of mine, I just decided to rewrite the review and just rip the movie apart because I figured, you know what? You can't come after me for a critical review as long as it's accurate. So yeah, I savaged the film. And to this day, it's still a horrible movie, but I recognize the uniqueness of the film because it truly does stand out. I mean, it is a weird, wild, and crazy movie. And I, judging from the reaction of the fans of The Last Drive-In, it certainly was one that people are going to talk about. So you, you tell me, Lady Winters, what else did you think about this movie? <laughs> well, it made me, you know, like, okay, so like when directors, they direct movies like this, I get more curious about them. And then I start thinking, okay, well, why does this make you tick? Why, you know, I start asking a lot of questions. What is it about this kind of art that draws you to want to create it? And so um, I heard Joe Bob Briggs, I'm not saying anything. I heard him say that, uh, I guess, Mr. Reed went to war. Did he see war? Is that? I do so, possibly. Okay. And, and I'm not saying anything, but all I'm saying is I, I'm curious if this was before or afterwards. That's I believe it was afterwards, afterwards wasn't it? Yeah, probably afterwards. Well, you know, because I've had people that I've loved and, and my family that they go in to the military. They, I mean, they see war up close and personal and you come back and you're different, you know, and, and back then they didn't really treat people, you know, you just came back, you just went back into society and that was it. And so sometimes, you know, um, I think that when some of these men have served and they get into the arts, then they let those monsters out of expression, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I do know that um, Tom uh, Savini served in Vietnam as a, a photographer, and it was that experience there that made him feel like, if I'm going to become a makeup artist, I'm going to make this as realistic as possible, because he saw it firsthand. So yeah, it, he was able to channel that in, in a positive way, whereas other people, you know, you write about it, you perform, you do something because the demons are there, and they won't go away unless you can um, get them out. And didn't so, they say yeah. that like, Oliver Stone was on the set of making that movie? You know what? Yes, that's right. They yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he's another veteran as well. I mean, oh, I yes, love veterans. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say anything. I, ha I come from a family full of veterans and a long family history line of, you know, service in this country. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, yes. so I'm not trying to say anything, but I do know that sometimes in life when you sing dark things, you find a way to get them out is by expression. So I don't know, but his particular work is probably not my, uh, I would say a uh, pot of tea, but I don't drink tea. My pot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, save the tea for me. <laughs> but, but I mean, I love watching, you know, crazy movies with people all at the same time. Cause it, it takes me back to like being back in high school. I'll do it one time, but I'm not going to watch it again. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, mm. I remember when I found out that this was going to be the movie that they were going to show, I, I was posting on Twitter to a lot of my friends saying, you know, cause they were ones excited to check it out. Cause they'd never seen it. And I, I said, Hey, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm giving you a little warning. This movie's a little rough. This is not a, you know, campy, funny, silly movie. This is a deeply disturbing movie. When you get past the, the, bad special effects and poor acting this isn't this is a misogynistic movie it's sexist 
it's cruel and just it's the main characters are sadists you know mm-hmm. they 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 love hurting people they kidnap women they torture them they rape them they cut them up in front of an audience who think that it's fake and that's mm-hmm. the weird thing about this movie the audience thinks that this is all just some sleazy grindhouse little um off off broadway little little place you know basically using shock value to to get people in the but no they're they're murdering people you know they're white slavers and i i don't know about this let me ask you this what did you think of the character ralphus um the midget yes the yeah the little guy he was a uh, i don't it kind of reminded me of that a character that was on the series of tales from the dark side there's this one episode that's a christmas episode and um it's like this little christmas demon running around and that's exactly what you know made me think of it but i don't really have too much to think about the characters i mean there wasn't i'll be i'll be very honest there wasn't very to me real artistic value in this movie or expression it was just um it was a person that enjoys it was a lot of violence and sex. Yes. Oh, sex no, exactly. violence and, and torture, you know, whatever, Hey, whatever you like. Um, as long as you're not doing it in real life. Hey, if that, if that gets you going, Hey, more power to you, but don't, you know, not if you're going to really be hurting people in real life. Hopefully, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. The, a lot of people weren't familiar with this movie and what's also, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Exactly. I was actually excited because I'm all about art, you know, not being censored and pushing the envelope. And um, and so that's why I can't really bash this movie because, you know, he did. He did push the envelope with this. And immediately when I was thinking when I was watching this movie, I was thinking about hostile. Yeah. You know, I think he he helped create the torture porn genre. Yeah, this is a this is a torture porn movie. But that being said, I know like one of the criticisms I had of the movie was, you know, outside of the misogynism and the sadism and all the other isms in there. The movie is also kind of a ripoff. If you're familiar with uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, The Wizard of Gore, which came out about 10 years before, has virtually the same plot. It's, it's about a guy who runs a theater and he has the ability to mesmerize people and have them do crazy things like the sorts of things that Sardu was able to do. So in effect, Joel M. Reed really wasn't all that creative. He just took an idea that someone else did and just made it a little sleazier, which, you know, coming from Herschel Gordon Lewis, that's kind of a kind of a stretch because not, not that Herschel Gordon Lewis was sleazy. He was unique, but there was an artistic value to what he was trying to do. So people love and respect Herschel Gordon Lewis and Joel M. Reed doesn't quite get that kind of respect. I mean, you know, you have to remember I first started on horror watching Vincent Price. So, you know, theater of blood was like, Whoa, for me. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's when, you know, people think of horror, there's different phases of horror. You know, you have the, the classic universal monsters, you have the Godzilla era, you have you know, the movies of the 60s, you know, the Vincent Price, the Christopher Lees, you know. And of course, the 70s was a complete change of pace. You know, that's when you get the uh, slashers, you get the giallos, you get the um, grindhouse movies, mm-hmm. which would pave the way for slashers of the 80s. And then, of course, now you have so many different subgenres. You have torture porn, you have found footage, you have uh, point of view, you know, 
cameras. You you have so many genres of horror that you know seeing saying saying that you direct horror movies, you have to be specific. Well, what kind of horror movies? Because there's just so many to choose from. Yeah. Now, looking at this movie and your reaction afterwards, you said you would never watch this movie again, but you did appreciate uh, Joe Bob showing it, correct? Yes, exactly. Like I said, um, I will watch any movie with the horror family on Last Drive-In with, you know, once, um, meaning that kind of movie. Um, I'm not going to bash Shudder for showing it because guess what? They exposed me to a movie I probably would have never sat down to watch. Does that make sense? Which, no, absolutely. Which movie is that? Uh, hello, what we're just talking about. Absolutely. Okay, I thought you were going to bring up another <laughs> no. movie. No, no, I'm just saying, like, whatever they show, you know, I'll watch it with the horror community. I'm not going to be, you know, saying, oh, no, they shouldn't be showing that. I mean, I was exposed to a movie, um, Blood Sucking Freaks. Freaks. I never yeah. would have watched that on my own, but I felt excited and a little yeah. thrilled that I was watching it with all these other people because I've never seen it before. See, and that's the community effect. It's, you know, because we had we can't really go to movie theaters at the moment. It's great to be able to get together like on a Friday or Saturday night with a community of fans who appreciate something mm-hmm. and just have that same reaction, you know, basically watching this movie and going on Twitter and saying, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> it's so much fun, you know? It, it is. I mean, and that was the funny thing because I, w- I would check quotes or sorry, tweets from people. And that was the general consensus. What the fuck is this? What in the hell am I watching? Is this for real? He just but the icing off the cake was the whole like music video. I was like, what? Yes. Oh, when Chris Jericho did so the, much uh, fun. the tribute to um, Bloodsucking Freaks. Yes, that was hilarious. He was like, you know, having a serious conversation and they zoom in on him and all of a sudden here comes this music. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> See, and that's the beauty of it. And I, I really genuinely appreciate, you know, Diana Prince, who plays Darcy the Male Girl, being such the fan. Because as we interviewed here last month or two months ago, we know that she's a big reason why the last drive-in is, is here. And you know that Chris Jericho, I mean, she totally fangirled knowing that he was going to be on the show. I know a lot of people also appreciated Chopping Mall, which was the first movie. Now, had you ever seen Chopping Mall before? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not as much enthusiasm in that. Well, you know, it's um, you either love it or you don't. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, I'm a big fan of Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton, so I was really excited to see uh, Chopping Mall on the list. But I will tell you this: Bloodsucking Freaks was the big, big hit of the. Um, of Friday night's uh, broadcast because that's the movie everyone's talking about. I mean, people are excited about Chopping Mall, but everybody knows Chopping Mall. But how many people knew Blood Sucking Freaks? I did. And, exactly. And that was the beauty of um, The Last Drive In. And what made it so great, you know, back in the 90s when he had his um, show on Monster Vision was being able to watch these kind of films that you may not have heard of and get his perspective because that's what he does. You know, Joe Pop is a film critic. You know, he, granted, he. He reviews, you know, B-movies, silly movies, horror movies, but he's a serious critic and he has a real appreciation for the art. He has an appreciation for the films. And it's fun being able to see a conversation with him and uh, Chris Jericho, who is a self-proclaimed expert on the movie, finding out all those little details about it. Because 
there were a lot of things I didn't know about that movie. And, you know, I mean, I, I wrote, wrote about it. I talked about it. And I'm one of the few people who probably actually had seen the movie. And even I learned something, which is great, because that's what I love. I love finding out new data. Well, you know, Joe Bob is a very intelligent man and just a brilliant person. And I, he's very clever how he reviews movies. There's no one, I, I mean, I've never seen anyone do it the way he does. He makes it so fun and so down to earth, but yet it's hilarious at the same time. What he does is he brings the films out, but he gives it respect. You know, even a movie that is trashed by other people, he finds a reason to love the film, you know, and he does it in that unique way he does. He brings out a breast count, how many dead bodies. Yeah. And he loves using, you know, like vomit foo and punch foo and throw up foo, things like that, because he wants to make the film fun to watch. And, you know, how many people would have watched Blood Sucking Freaks if it wasn't for Joe Bob? Right. Not a lot. He got it to trend. And that's pretty big because when you can make a film that's obscure in the film, even in the horror film community, and get people to talk about it, hey, you've made an impact. And I'll tell you this right now Joe Bob is doing a great thing for horror movies right now because he's introducing a whole new series of films that hardcore horror films may not know about. And the, you know, the, the horror family, the horror community is going to be for the better for it because that's what we need. We need more appreciation for horror so that we don't feel like the outliers of society. We can know that, Hey, there's a family of, of freaks and weirdos out there. And we're, and we're in that group. Can you imagine the people who are not part of the horror community and that were on Twitter and like, what's this? What's fucking freaks? And they click on it. Like what? <laughs> Exactly. You see the word blood-sucking freak trending on Twitter, and you know that there's something odd going on. What in the world's going on? Is Sven Gulli up to this? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Darcy the Mail Girl did mention that there is going to be a lot more interesting movies coming out this season. She didn't reveal what, though, but she definitely wants everyone to come back and watch again. And we'll have these fun nights to look forward to this season because the more we watch, the more we can get it trending, the more we can get a third season and a fourth season because that's what we want. We want more appreciation for this kind of, you know, these kind of films so that Shudder can go out there and keep this going. Because I know it's a, it's a new service and this is something that they're hoping catches on. And I'm glad it's catching on the way it did. I mean, hell, they floated the keg last time when they, when they first did their broadcast. I mean, they shut the servers down. That's a huge deal. Wow. You know, that is awesome. So any, any last words there, uh, Lady Winters? No, I don't really have any last words, but, um, you know, you didn't say anything about how you enjoyed the uh, Tiger King. You know what? We can talk a little about Tiger King. Tell you what, what did you think of Tiger King? Wow. A wild ride. It was. It had to be like a matchup between like blood sucking freaks and the Tiger King. So, you know was- what? There, there's quite a parallel there because what we were seeing were some truly loathsome and despicable individuals, and yet we were watching because you know what? This is interesting. Let's see how uh, how far down the rabbit hole this is going to go. Well, here's a, a small little fast story I have to say. You know, about was it two or three springs ago? I almost went up to that uh, park up in Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Exotic Joe's Park. I didn't even know yeah. who he was, but I did read reviews and people were like, kind of like putting things out there that were just kind of weird about his personality. And I didn't pay any attention, you know, 
And so when this whole thing was going on about Tiger King, Tiger King, Tiger King, you know, I was like, what are they talking about? And there's these guys out of Houston that have a podcast that I chat with back and forth. And he had like this mullet on and it was blonde. He's going crazy laughing about it. And I thought, what in the world is going on? I was like, are you talking about Tiger King? He's like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, that park. I was like, wait a minute. Is it up in Oklahoma? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. I think, you know, he's talking about exotic Joes. And yeah, it was. Can you imagine if I would have went up there, I would have met that guy? Yeah. I mean, you would have taken a little vampire with you. That, <laughs> and, and well, because you're a good mama vampire, you know, you know, little vampire would have enjoyed it. But it would have been strange for you to go check it out and then find out later all the icky things that are going on. Because see, and that's the crazy thing. You know, Joe Exotic is kind of a sleazy character. Carol Baskin is a sleazy character. That cultist guy is a weird character. They're the only people I really felt any sympathy for weren't even people. It was the animals. I mean, the tigers and the other exotic creatures there, they're being exploited. And these people are horrible. You know, I would like, I would hope, I would like to think that people who own like private zoos, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt because these people here that they're showing, not every private zoo is like that, you know? So I hope that Netflix doesn't ruin it for the people that do own private zoos, that mean well, that do well, that obey the law, that love their animals. I hope that it's not ruined for them. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Because, you you know, for every Joe Exotic, there has to be that one person who passionately loves their animals and is raising them because, you know what, I don't want them exterminated. I don't want them euthanized. They, I have a nice area. They can live a life. They're treated as a beloved pet. But I'm not, you know, putting them in a situation where I'm forcing them to take pictures for people just for fun. You know, they're just... You know, they, they are they are a beloved family member. And as long as they're respected for what they are, because these are wild animals. You know, these aren't your calico cat or your little Persian cat. No, these they will kill you. They will they will destroy you and eat you because that's what they do. They're wild creatures. And they should never be treated as anything but wild creatures. But you know what? You can appreciate the awesomeness that they are because they are majestic creatures. They are lovely creatures, awesome creatures, but they're still dangerous creatures. They're apex predators. Well, yeah. Are you going to go ahead and release the one that's in your backyard then? You know what? I, (laughs) I, I I tried taming the beast, but even though, even the lost man can't handle some things, you know, it's crazy. So yeah, if you, if you see the the lost man in the next few days, a lot of scars and like bloody patches, you know, there's, there's a story behind that. So we'll go for that. But in the backyard, it's really the troll apartment. Yeah, pretty much. You know, there's some characters (laughs) around here. I'll tell you what it's, um, it's this, this, this quarantine is uh, bringing out the, um, the, 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 the the crazies. And all I know is that before we know it, we might end up in a George Romero movie or something. Oh, don't <laughs> say that. Don't say that. I know. We can't have that happening. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the scary movies need to stay on the computer or on the TV. You know, they can't be in the real life. No. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and close out this podcast for the day. And um, if you need to, uh, or you want to reach out to the Lost Man or Lady Winters, we're out there on Twitter. We're out there on Instagram. I'd like to send a shout out to um, Lady Winters' new project, Buzz Review Manor. Uh, big things are going to be happening. So keep an eye out for that. I'm excited for her. And it's going to be a great venture. 
And you may very well see the Lost Man hanging out with Lady Winters on some of these adventures. So keep an eye out at your local convention because you may have an encounter with the crew from the Midnight Manor podcast and Buzzard View Manor. <laughs> All right. Y'all take care and have a spooky weekend. Bye. Bye.